these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls. All right, Kyle, who would you fire? Did you fire everyone? <laughs> did you fire everyone? Who would you they fire? Sold us who a bill of goods. <laughs> they said that this year would be different. Same old Dude, Timberwolves. I will say fire that. everybody. I, I so I watched the game back on delay. We had a wonderful and amazing and fun dinner with with some listeners. Uh, Dallas was the was the listener that um, that bid on a mm. purple daily dinner experience during our Courage Kenny rehabilitation charity awesome. auction a few weeks ago, and so we hung out with him and uh, his uh, his wife and their family, and it was a blast. And so I didn't get to experience Wolves angst in the moment. We were checking the score here and there. Dude, like the level of blowback and vitriol that I am seeing after the first game, so is great, pretty it, it, amazing. <laughs> it's truly the definition of wolves back. People are just, <laughs> and again, done, I, I I understand. I mean, I know we're gonna really hammer home and get into it, but uh, I understand it. I mean, again, I I don't believe in a lot of things in life, but I am pretty adamant about not like policing fans. That's why I didn't. I never really agreed with people that were upset when people booed last year. It's like, I don't know, like that's how you provide feedback. Um, Booing, just quick side street. Booing is weird and not in like whether you should or shouldn't do it as a fan. It's just weird that when something happens that we don't like, we make a noise. Boo, (laughs) right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would, that's, I've never thought of it like that. Like Like, who was the first person to be like, was it like back in the Roman Empire days? We're gonna go to the we're gonna watch gladiators in the Colosseum. I don't like what's happening. How can I let them know down there? Boo! You know, a I lot just, of people. I think a lot about of people that once in on a the while. Timeline, we're doing the whole gladiator thumbs down thing. Like, yeah. just kill them, kill everyone on the team. Chris so, uh, Finch should he remain <laughs> as head coach? Uh, no, it, it felt it felt good last night. Yeah, uh, Dane Moore and I went live after the game. It was pretty fun, kind of inspired by what you do with Ventline. And uh, a lot of the people were pretty upset. Um, but there's also people, too, that I think were willing to give it a little bit of a runway. But, yeah, I don't – if you're a fan of the team, of the league, of whatever, of Minnesota sports, um, you should be upset when you're upset. I'm not going to take that that way, and that's not because I'm some homer or optimist. Those are things probably I am. But I, I slept on it. And I, I'd love to go back and forth with you. I think the shot really poorly. <laughs> like, I think that's it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what else you want me to? Uh, Alan Horton had a couple really cool notes. That I just wanted to read off quick. Like the Wolves 34% field goal against the Raptors was their second worst shooting performance in nearly five years. Uh, he had another one that um, the Raptors def- defense uh, was number one in defensive rating and opponent effective field goal percentage in the preseason. Also the Raptors were four zero in the preseason don't think anyone's ever talked about that. And they won their games by average of 23 points a game. So the Raptors just might wow. be good. But um, the, and Minnesota went three for 17 on wide open shots, which is defined, I think, as the closest defenders within six feet or whatever. So um, 34 for 100. I think Carl and Ant shot 16 of 52. I don't see yes, that happening that again. Yeah. There were offensive points, and Ant alluded to it after the game, which is just another reason I love the kid. He was very like, I was bad. I sucked. I didn't move the ball. It was clear they weren't moving the ball. They were doing a lot of weird things. Carl was also really bad. Um, had yeah. some weird I mean, two for ten from three, but the last one was at the pretty much the buzzer. So he was like one for nine. Had a couple weird plays where he was like trying to force the ball to Rudy. Uh, Judd tweeted out a clip where he's like he drives the lane. It's just like just finish it or go dunk it or just you know put up a shot. Um, but I don't know, man. They lost by three. I don't know if I would have felt that much better, Phil, had they have won by three. 
I would have been like, ah, oh, there's some issues, but you know, they'll, they'll iron them out. So disappointing loss, but I'm excited to see how they rebound on, on Saturday against the Heat. Literally and figuratively, how they rebound against the Heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think, God, you know me, I'm, I'm telling myself that th- this team needs time, just like last year, to sort of figure some things out. They've got different bench players, different, where in, at some point, Jade McDaniels, oh, by the way, makes a huge difference, is going to come back. And, and, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, I know it's been a year and a half since the trade, but they're still trying. They, don't, they haven't played together that much, mm. so they're trying to figure out that dynamic. I think this is one of those games actually where even if you didn't watch any of it, the box score tells a really powerful story. Like the, the, some of the things, if you were just look at this box score and you weren't caught up in sort of the – because if you, if you use the eye test, which you should – I think you would see some things that were frustrating. Not enough ball movement for sure. You know, yep. they were they were great at moving the ball in the preseason. And did they have a game in the preseason where like all of their made baskets were assisted or something? In that Chicago Bulls game in the second half, it was like twenty five made baskets on twenty or twenty five yeah. assists on twenty five made baskets. Or whatever. I guess it's weird that you could do that. You could see that come to fruition and the success, and then like not implement it in the first game. There's also like reasons why. You know, maybe they felt like they had to go into hero ball. But not enough ball movement. Transition defense was plotting. Carl mm-hmm. looked like he was just there's a couple of just weird sort of Carl plays. Anthony Edwards tried to go hero mode. Like, so there's some eye test things. But if you just look at the box score, you would say, OK, hold on a second. So the Wolves shot 34 percent, which is the second worst shooting performance you said in like five years. Right. Yep. Uh, they went on the road and held an opponent in their home arena to 97 points. And then back to the offense, within that poor shooting performance, Anthony Edwards was four for 20 from inside the three-point arc, which is crazy. And Carl Anthony Towns was two for 10, one of the great shooters in the NBA from outside the three-point mark. You know, how close would you expect the score to be just looking at the offensive stuff? They only lost by three? So I'm trying to I'm trying to resist. There was definitely some things that were annoying and frustrating and maybe some things from last year that have carried over a little bit here uh, with, you know, the two big guys playing together. But at the same time, it's the first game. They barely lost despite an unrepeatably bad shooting performance. And they're going to have another game on Saturday and then another game on Monday. And so I'm trying I'm I'm trying to take a deep breath here. And not overreact until we get to like Christmas, Kyle. That's where I'm. You at. know what the crazy thing is? I was pretty on the record about my win total prediction, um, but I said that they would have 48 wins, and I saw some people already throwing that back in my face. Um, I work in finance, so <laughs> 82 minus 48 is 34. That also means that they're going to lose 34 games, and last night was one of them. Well, 35 right? like, now. The, the, I think they just gave one away last night. There, there, there's this isn't like a excuse thing. It's just. It's one game. Every time the Wolves do something good and I try to bring it up, it's like, ah, oh, one game, small sample size. It's like, okay, so how is that not the inverse here? Uh, also, I should point out that, shout out to our friend Jake, uh, Jake Scraps, but 60% of NBA Finals winners in the last decade started 0-1. So the Wolves actually have a better chance to win the Finals wow, than dude, they did last I mean, night. I don't know how you can argue with that logic, right? They're hang the banner. <laughs> just saying, just saying. Hang the banner. Um, but no, there was a... There was some things. I mean, it was just basically came down to they didn't score right away to begin the game. They were kind of down. And then what? And had their first 10 points. And he kind of copped this post game. But I think that might have taken him out of the whole Finchian style of moving the ball because he was cooking. But then he started taking a lot of bad shots. But really, again, I think the box score, there's not every game can you look at a box score and be like, that's it. 
that's the prescription or that's that's you know the diagnosis you can for last night Carl and Ant were really really bad they should be your two best players as long as they're on this roster they should be the focal point of everything you do and they were bad I saw some people up in arms about like Rudy Gobert and you got to ask yourself at some point like do I just hate him like do I just do I just have hatred for certain players because Rudy Gobert was awesome like he he, mm-hmm. he missed an offensive rebound or something but the Wolves punished the Raptors on the glass I think they out rebounded him like 62 to 47 the so blocks, wasn't rebounding dude, Rudy and Carl combined for like eight blocks I want to say had, I don't have the yeah, box he had that, uh, me, he had that alley-oop from Mike Conley when Mike Conley was going left that he like just jumped over someone and dunked it he caught a block in midair uh, I thought he was for the most part good offensively he was kind of back to his elite role player status where he's just kind of like you'll get your you'll get whatever food falls off the table type thing yeah um but yeah I don't know I, I thought Rudy was good but then when you kind of break it down a little more do they win that game with Jaden McDaniels? I don't know, but you did see the gap between a guy we like, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Jaden McDaniels. Nikhil gave them nothing offensively, so then I think they tried to plug in Kyle there, but when you play Kyle, Cat, and Rudy, that team is very, I think the word would be plotting, yeah. um, getting crushed in transition. I mean, the Toronto Raptors, it was offensive, the way they would get rebounds and like just start sprinting. Like I felt bad for certain Wolves players. So yeah. if Jaden's in that role, but you know, 48 and 34 or whatever, one of the issues with that is that you're kind of like, okay, I said this to Dane last night. I said this to you, I think in text, what if everything this season that the team does, what if all these different things work except the starting five? <laughs> like that's going to be a really big issue. It's like, what yeah. if all these other combinations work, but politically we still need to start these five guys and we need to close with these five guys. That's going to be interesting because last night, the only time I felt really, really comfortable, Phil, is when Mike Conley and or Kyle Anderson were on the floor. Yeah. And that's going to make it impossible to play your quote-unquote big four. Well, and, and, and Kyle, another just Kyle Anderson, another box score thing. If you were to just look at the box <laughs> score as I pull it up, it, it was like the Kyle Anderson minutes were very positive. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, okay, they're kind of struggling. Let's bring in Kyle Anderson to fix things, calm it down. Another adult in the room. And, and they get fixed. And you know me in lineup combinations. I love. I don't. I don't care how early it is in the season. We're going to crack open the lineup combos tab on Timberwolves Basketball Reference. So last night, the most positive minutes for the Timberwolves all involved Kyle Anderson. Like all the lineup combinations that were plus, like per one hundred possessions, you know, plus twenty, plus seventeen, whatever. They're all Kyle Anderson. I just want to highlight some of the featured two man pairings here. Again, this is one game of sample size, but it's some something to keep an eye on. So when Ant and Cat were on the floor together last night, they played 29 minutes overlapping last night, and they were a plus two points per 100 possessions. We've seen it better than that. Like I think there's proof now that Ant and Cat, even when they're not playing all that well, are still a good pairing. They play off each other well offensively for the most part, right? And so despite them having a bad night, when they are on the floor together, they were still a plus two points per 100 possessions. That's a good sign. When Nas Reed and Cat were on the court together last night, because you're trying, dude, you're trying to find like 20 to 25 minutes a night for Nas. They found 24 last night. Those guys were on the court. Nas plus Cat for 14 minutes. They were a plus 16 points per 100 possessions. Great sign. These are good signs. We like these small sample size, but we can move forward with these, right? Here's where you got to watch it. When Cat and Rudy Gobert were on the court together, and they minimized it to just 20 minutes, so the, the first stretch and then toward the end, but it was 20 minutes together on the court. 
They were a minus 25 points per 100 possessions. When Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert were on the court at the same time, which was 29 total minutes last night, they were a minus 20 points per 100 possessions. So you like for this thing to work long term, you need Ant and Rudy to have better chemistry than last year and game one. And you need Cat and Rudy to have better chemistry. Like, I agree with you. Rudy in a vacuum was good. Like, it was kind of vintage Rudy, man. Like, double-double, bunch of rebounds. You know, he's great, blocking four shots. But but Rudy, within the context of this whole thing with Ant and with Cat, like, got to be better than it was last night. It, it's just, it's probably the number one thing I'm curious about right now. Now that everyone's been signed and you kind of have the salary structure figured out for the this year and moving forward and all that other stuff. It's just, what if every, what if every combination of players works except for the starting five and except for Carl and Rudy, because if you said 99 other combinations of our front court and our back court and everything will work, but the one that won't is the starting five we throw out there or Carl and Rudy 99 out of a hundred isn't good enough. Like it it's has to be a hundred because you, change. Yeah. this is what it's all built around. So yeah, I mean, I'm not a big plus minus guy as I, and I don't think you are either, but it's noteworthy that all four bench guys were plus and all four, all five starters were minus. So yeah. um, also starting five for those, I can already hear it in my head. Like some people like, it doesn't matter who starts. That's right. It doesn't matter who starts, but I think Finch is still pretty set right now that he has to close with those guys as well. Yeah, but it, but dude, it, it does matter a little because if you're putting a starting five out there because of like contract reasons and ego reasons and whatever that isn't maximizing the first eight minutes of a game, that is important, you know. Yeah, like no, if you if you could, if there was like good. a five point difference in per one hundred possessions or something, and you're just giving that away eighty two times because you got to you got to start the same five guys, you're boxed in. I do. I that's fair. Who's finishing is more important, but like who's starting can set you back in the first quarter. You know? Right, and they're both, and they're yeah, and I. I, I still don't really believe that the guys who start all the time matter because I think sometimes people just start to set a set a precedent or set a vibe. But last night, the way they started and not being able to score and being clunky and having it be so ant-centric. And again, like ant's approval rating on this podcast and this fan base is 100. But I think you can like it's funny that when we don't criticize Carl, we're deemed to be homers or whatever bias. But it's like ant was really bad last night. How do I know that? Because he came out in the block room and was like, I was really bad tonight. I probably lost us the game. So you're probably have you're probably onto something. It's just something to monitor is that they don't really have a malleable way to change the starting lineup. Again, Jaden wasn't even in it last night, but um, you know, I just I'm gonna continue to monitor how do they play their five, what they believe are their best guys, and Mike, Ant, Jaden, Carl, and Rudy. And then how do they get Kyle in there? Even Nas last night, twenty four minutes, like you said. 10 points, four rebounds, kind of did it all. Didn't hit his three-point attempts, which you would like to keep taking those and hoping that becomes just a regular staple of his game. But uh, 10 assists from the bench players and 10 assists for the starters. That's uh, not good. Yeah, that's it, it, needs to be, it needs to be better than that. Um, on the ant front, so... God, I'm going to be a homer here, dude. Like, Uh-oh. You can get a big I, smile on right now. I love that he grabbed 14 rebounds last night. Crazy. Crazy. We have not seen that, right? I, that was that had to have been a career high, wasn't it? Has he grabbed 14 rebounds in a game before? <sighs> you put me on the spot. I, I looked this up. I think it was, but keep cooking. Because I think sometimes what happens with 
you saw this happen with Andrew Wiggins, not even just early in his career, even like as a veteran guys, just like sometimes young players who are dynamic and talented are so focused on getting their offensive game going that they don't realize, no, I can actually go have an impact everywhere. I can be an energizer bunny. You know, I can, I can go, not that you should just be hunting for triple doubles and, and, you know, stat stuffing in a hollow way, but the wolves need help rebounding dude. Like the yeah. wolf, especially, especially in some of these instances where, you know, you're trying to figure out lineup combinations and you're trying to figure out, okay, like Ru like last year, a big theme was Rudy Gobert can't grab all the rebounds. Somebody else has to help. Right. And, and it kind of goes on the smaller players to make sure now they're trying to balance also getting back in transition versus rebounding and all that stuff. But, um, I think if Anthony Edwards is going to come in here, if, if he wanted to average 10 rebounds a game, he could. And I think it would be productive for this team. So I kind of love that in an, on a night where his offense is kind of lagging, you know, he's four for 20 or whatever it was from inside the two-point arc. How else can I impact this game? I'm going to make sure that we clean up on the glass. I just, I think if he's going to start filling cracks in other areas, and then he's going to have the nights where he's super efficient and scores 40 points offensively, is this the year where we start to see some you know, some of these like 38, 12 and six box scores instead of like 28, three and three, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, that's where I think maybe the biggest jump in his game is, is not even the scoring. It's like all the other stuff. And to see 14 rebounds last night had me. Very I was shocked. Excited. I was shocked. I mean, I didn't think he led the team in rebounding. Um, and I knew he was aggressive, like as I was watching the game in real time, but 14 is a lot. Uh, matches a career high. It's the second time he's had 14 rebounds okay. in the game. I go. will say, as you do look at the box score, 26 points, 14 rebounds. As as if you want to be honest, as good as the 14 rebounds were, he had 14 rebounds, which means the ball was in his hands a lot. He took 27 shots, which means the ball was in his hands a lot. He had one assist. Yep, which is the antithesis of everything this is supposed to be. Him and Carl had four assists combined and six turnovers. I've been saying that I don't think you'll ever see them shoot 16 for 52 again, and probably every time they do, they're going to lose. Um, anytime that those two combine for more assists or for more turnovers than assists, you're probably going to lose as well. So mm -hmm. um, you would like to see him trust his teammates more. He's done it throughout the preseason. He's been better at it. But I just wonder if there were moments last night where he could have got shaken open look or gotten Rudy another easy finish or gotten Carl going. So uh, something to monitor. I think it was one game. And I think it started out on the wrong note, and they just never corrected it. But uh, I am going to continuously watch and see how Finch manages these rotations because, again, he loves Kyle. <laughs> and how do you not? He loves Nas. He's a fix Kyle's a fixer, man. Like, he can yep. just kind of, hey, what the, you know, this this dish needs a little flavor, right? It's yep. a little, the, the chicken's a little dry or whatever, and you can just kind of throw Kyle in there, and he's, he's the perfect amount of garlic, or he's the perfect uh, temperature of hot sauce. Like, he's... He just and fills he looks, cracks, man. He looks even cooler playing now because he's got the racquetball glasses like oh, I have. It's great. But, uh, yeah, they didn't get him off from the bench. I heard you, you had Doogie on earlier today. I'm kind of with them on they played nine-man rotation last night. Troy Brown Jr., five minutes, didn't give him anything. That'll all change when Jaden's back. But in a game where the shots you're taking might not be the best shots, it does seem like that's a remedy that can be fixed with Jordan McLaughlin. Because the pre, the pre calf setter. injury version of him, that yeah, was excellent at that. The so, post calf I, injury guy was like unplayable. So yep. I, I need to know which one we're getting here. And and uh, listen, I'm not going to judge Shake Milton on one bad game, but um, it that's another thing. It's like I, I keep coming back to I I don't 
not think that this is the deepest team ever or that they're one of the five deepest teams in the league. But Finch, because he has a unique roster of not just a bunch of guards, he's going to have to push every button pretty correctly. And some of this goes, I mean, I'm very pro Finch, as you are, friend of the show, but I didn't think he, in moments last night where it got really messy, I don't think he inserted himself enough to provide structure to call certain sets. Uh, He is really big on trusting Mike and Kyle to kind of be the quarterback out there. But Mm -hmm. when it's bad and you're getting bad shots, I mean, there was a, there was a, there was a play. I don't know what quarter it was, right? Carl drove down the lane, missed a layup. Then the Raptors came down, missed a shot. Nikhil got the ball, tried to outlet it to Ant for no reason. The ball went out of bounds. Just like little things like that where you'd like for Finch to try to insert more plays. I know he loves free-flowing basketball, but every now and then, man, you got to call a run play. Like you just got to kind of reset the team. So yeah, bad loss, uh, but maybe a good Raptors team. So it, it'll be equally as if not more important to me to see how this team responds when they get Jaden back in the lineup. I presume he'll be there on Saturday because uh, he might – they just paid him $131 million. Maybe he's the glue guy that'll kind of make some of this a little more balanced and make sense. Did you see how he celebrated, by the way? Uh, a $130 million contract. What's the first thing? Where, where's the first place you're going to go eat? What are you going to do? Did you see? Olive yeah, uh, well, he announced that during his uh, 122nd press conference that they had for him uh, via Zoom, which... They put Ant's face on the side of a hotel. You thought maybe they would have like a real press conference for him, but <laughs> like uh, that's not my job. I was guess. he just but, like short on his answers, or did they just like cut the press conference off? Uh, I don't know. He's man. not the most loquacious guy, you know. He's yeah, much and to say. I, you know, some people are like, well, maybe he just doesn't want to talk. I don't know. That's not really the player's job. Like, it's on the team to promote these players and do these. I mean, I was in Vegas when they walked up Ant and his entire family <laughs> and Glenn Taylor. At uh, Dude, Las they Vegas had Hotel. like planes flying around Minneapolis yeah. and St. Paul for a week, right? With and then for Jaden, it was just kind of like, hey, can you hop on uh, WebEx quick? We're going to ask him two questions about his favorite fast food restaurant and then go home. Uh, uh, whatever. Um, oh, but yeah, he celebrated at Olive Garden. He, uh, he's probably getting into cardio shape, right? Because there is no way to get in basketball shape other than to play basketball. And he has not been playing basketball. But um, yeah, he's carb loaded. He's ready to go. And... I'll judge this starting five fully when they get Jaden back because, again, you and I are very pro-Nah, but uh, he's just there is a sizable gap between what Nikhil can do for you on both sides of the ball and what Jaden can do. That's why you paid Jaden. So let's see. Saturday, good chance to rebound. They play the Heat Heater on a second night of a back-to-back. I'm sure they'll do some crazy injury report stuff, and maybe Jimmy Butler won't even show up. So Yeah, their schedule, this is the thing, too. It's like Toronto, and we don't know what bin to put some of these teams in. Toronto... We'll see how competitive they are in a month or two. But you got Miami, you know, at Atlanta. You got Denver. Utah is always fairly feisty. These are your home games now here. Boston. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna try and get to the Denver and Boston games for sure. Uh, oh, the Pelicans, go. dude. The Western Conference is just full of competitive to really good teams, pretty much up and down, except for maybe Houston. And then you get a road swing against San Antonio, November 10th back-to-back road games against Golden State and then at Phoenix at New Orleans like you don't you don't get many breathers on this schedule in the first five or six weeks or so so you're gonna have to make some of these tweaks on the fly and figure out you know whether these two big guys can play together against teams like Boston and and do it pretty quickly and again to kind of sum up my thoughts on the game I thought the Timberwolves let us all down and played terrible like, they shot terrible. They didn't trust each other. They weren't 
as firm on rotations as you'd want. That goes to Carl, that goes to Ant, that goes to Na, that goes to everyone up and down, including Chris Finch, maybe even Glenn Taylor. I don't know. Crunch. Um, and they lost by three. Like, I don't know. I, I really I really don't think if they were sitting here today want to know, I'd be like, man, they were awesome yesterday because they scored five more points. So long season. Raptors might be a lot better than we think. Dennis Schroeder was a great addition for them. Um, but let's see how they match up against a team like Miami, who if the Wolves solve some stuff, they'll win. But Miami's another team that no matter who they put out there, they're going to scout you well. And if you don't have your bleep together, the Miami Heat will expose you. Uh, so good challenge coming up in 56 hours or whatever it is. Yeah. Let's get to some feedback here. It's been a couple weeks since we've Uh-oh. dug into the comment section. Uh-oh. Presented by our friends, our new friends here on Flagrant Howls, Modest Brewing. Oh, hell yeah. Nice. Just down the street from Target Center. And I'll give you a little backstory here, Kyle. And and when you're in town, uh, we will definitely be making some trips to Modest Brewing. So with that game against the Heat, Modest Brewing is a great place to grab a couple pregame beers, maybe postgame beer. Uh, just think about Modest a few steps down the street from Target Center when you're looking to get a group together before a Wolves game. Uh, this was the first place we ever did a Score North live event in 2019, the first year of Score North's existence. We did a, a Score North twin show live at Modest. So uh, looking forward to having you back in town so we can grab a couple uh, super deluxe premium lagers together at Modest, my friend. I, it's, I think it's in North Loop, right? I have been there, I think, around a Timberwolves game because it's right down the street from Target Center. Uh, and again, I do enjoy a good brewery, but being out in like brewery country in the Pacific Northwest, you start to quickly learn like what beer is good and not good. Uh, and Modest has really good beer. Yes. So that's, uh, that's all I needed to hear was that uh, if they like sports and they produce good beer, I will take a bullet for them. So I will be there the next time I'm back, and I will probably have one or two or six uh, of their super deluxe sea salt lime beverages. Let's go. Uh, modestbrewing.com. That's modestbrewing.com. Okay, let's uh, let's see here. Let's dive into the comments here. I kind of like this one. No, there, I mean, there's some that are ripping us, you know, of course, being homers. You know, you know we're just defending the Timberwolves at every corner. Uh, Kip wants to know here. Kip says, I don't think there's enough discussion about how weird the Wolves record was last year. So they went 25 and 22 against above 500 teams, which is really good. Like be a, if you can be above 500 against the above 500 teams. But then they went 17 and 18 against below 500 teams. So they had a better winning percentage against the good teams and they had a worse winning percentage against the worst teams. I don't think that's happened before. I went back 20 years and the worst record against below 500 teams I could find for a team that had a winning record against above 500 teams was the 2002-2003 Suns, who went 19 and 15 against below 500 teams and 44 and 38 overall. Most teams are at like uh, seven or eight wins above 500. Either way, it was an anomaly that they won so many games against good teams or that they lost so many against bad teams. Something's got to give here. Yeah, I would say that the like it's not a fluke when you finish above 500 against good teams. No. But it probably is more of a fluke. This was something that that Finch addressed too at Media Day a few weeks yeah. ago. How do you stop losing to like the Pistons, you know? Mm-hmm. So, what do you what do you make of that? And of course they come out and we'll see what the Raptors are, but like the Raptors <laughs> would know. probably fall into that that bin and they're 0 and 1 now against teams yeah, that are expected I, to be bad. I I think the Raptors are probably more of a team that I would say is just 
you know, like I, I think they'll definitely make like the plan in the East. Um, but I think they're like a middle tier team and the Wolves just kind of, those are more grind them out games and the Wolves just didn't grind them out. They didn't execute. I do think it's fascinating. Uh, I think when you beat really good, I think it's equally as meaningful when you lose to bad teams as it is when you beat good teams. Um, I know people don't love the whole, well, this is a young team thing. Um, cause it's not in a sense you have a bunch of veterans that are, you know, play an integral role, whether it be Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley. But then I still deter back to like, well, but the guys that really move the needle in big spots are the young guys like Ant, like Jaden and Carl is not young. He should be a veteran, but you know, whoever you want to blame, whether it be him or the front office or the organization or whatever, like he hasn't been in big spots a lot. And when he has it, you know, it's been up and down productions. So uh, that's definitely something to monitor. I don't think we can monitor any of that now because I think every team is good. I mean, even yeah. last night, I don't like the Houston Rockets lost by 30 or whatever, but every team is healthy and bringing it. I would love to see the Wolves play the Raptors in January and we'll see where they're at. But um, yeah, I mean, they play the Hawks coming up. They play the Jazz. They play San Antonio. I mean, San Antonio last night gave Dallas everything they could handle. And San Antonio is win total projection was like 24 so mm-hmm. yeah Wemby, it, it, Wemby was pretty good in his in his debut something to keep in mind for sure I mean they they made their made their own bed dug their own grave they did one of those things last year by just losing to bad teams you win a couple more of those and you're out of the plan you don't have to play the eventual champs and everything gets better so we'll see yeah. it's all about maturity and they handled the preseason like a bunch of professional adults that came to work not just yeah. came to play that's not how they handled it last night. So is it the bright lights or is it just the fact that you haven't beat the Raptors since like the Reagan administration? I don't know. Yeah, dude. Yeah. When, so the last time they won in Toronto was when KG was like the first stint KG, right? Am I right on that? Yeah. Yeah. That's like yeah, it was, I think, 20 18, years ago, 18 to 20 years ago. They hadn't beaten Toronto in Toronto. So that's insane. Isn't that that's it's weird. Like Toronto's been I know Toronto won a title, kind of like an asterisk title. So, you know, they've had some good teams, but. It's not Maybe like it's getting that, through customs. I don't know. Maybe it's just harder. Like it's just more stressful. They on looked the players. sluggish. It looked. It, you know what it looked like last night? They did I, look sluggish. What, That's funny, dude. You know, like did you watch the? Uh, you get up early and watch football. You, do you ever get up? You're on the West Coast. Do you ever get up and watch the London games at like so six o'clock your time? Of course I do. <laughs> Literally wearing his Prize Picks hat right now. <laughs> no, I don't watch football ever. And there, there was a Bills Jaguars game. This is like probably three weeks ago. And of course, the Jaguars, I think the NFL is just trying to get the Jaguars to just stay in London as long as possible. That's eventually where they're going to be headquartered. So the Jaguars got to they played in London the week before and they just stayed in London all week and got acclimated. So they've they've been there for like two weeks. The Buffalo Bills come over and travel and it looked I watched that game the whole game and it looked like the Buffalo Bills were playing in like thicker grass than the Jaguars were. It was they were a step behind. They were yawning and it was it was a super weird deal. That's what the Timberwolves looked like to me last night. It looked like they traveled to London for that game. And I know Toronto's like, you know, it's kind of up there. You're going up. It's like a different country and you're going out East Coast time zone. But it looked like they were jet lagged or something. Did it not? It. Uh, can we bring Conspiracy Kyle on the on the pod quick? Because yeah, Conspiracy hold on. Kyle. Let me hit Conspiracy Kyle's theme music for a second. Hold on. Oh, does he have them? Hold on. Let me see if I can find it here. Conspiracy Kyle has a thought on this. Here we go. Okay. So the Wolves played the Raptors to start the season Wednesday, October 25th in Toronto. Tuesday, October 24th was Drake's birthday. 
Our friend Chris Hine has always said that Toronto is one of the best cities for players to go visit. Uh, for anyone to go visit, Chris Hine was up there. I was texting him yesterday. So I don't know. I'm just, you know, no one said anything. Uh, just wonder if the day after Drake's birthday, a player or two was uh, a little sleepy. And if you're Holding Drake, of course, strategically, you're going to invite all your friends around the NBA. Hey, Carl, Rudy. <laughs> yep. And you got to come out just for a little bit, just for one, just for one. Why don't you guys come out? We'll celebrate a little bit. Just just my thoughts, not associated with anyone. No one say anything. Just I know Toronto is renowned as I've never been. I was also yesterday years old when I realized how close it is to like certain cities in the Upper East Coast, or like how close it is. Yeah, to it's pretty New much York. like I, it's pretty much a United States uh, city. My, my Canadian map is basically where Winnipeg is, because that's where I used to go to drink when I wasn't 21. And then now Vancouver. Um is that but where yeah, North Dakota kids go? They just like drive up oh, to Winnipeg. Oh yeah, let's. We need a whole summer. Write that down for the summer. Good pod on just going up to Winnipeg <laughs> and going to bars when you're 18. Uh, shout out Winnipeg. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, they they did look sluggish. That's again like they came out and they needed Ant to really save their bacon early on. And I just that was not the team that I watched in these preseason games. And it's the only sample we have right now. So yeah, bums slap on the wrist. But let's see how they respond on Saturday in front of their home crowd. Let's see here. Dan Kraft chimes in. No, let's get to this one first. This is from Jason Jansma. And you can hit us up always in the YouTube comment section, Score North YouTube channel. We're checking comments. And uh, if you want to send us like a longer email or just email us in general, you can hit us up through the Score North app. There's a feedback tab. So those are great places to just send us stuff. We'll try to do a dive into the comment section once a week, maybe on these Thursday episodes. So Jason Jansma says, as a 37-year-old Minnesota sports fan who lost his dad to cancer eight months ago, your guys' show uh, has got me through a lot of hard times, so please keep it up. Thank you, guys. Jason, thank you, dude. Appreciate you. If we can even, like, make a hard spot in your life 5% easier because we just talk nonsense about the Timberwolves, then that's our role, and we, we appreciate you listening, man. I did not see that comment coming um yeah i that stuff means a lot again this is all i always say it i work i work for him but if you want real hardcore analysis and critical at times like dane moore nba podcast is the one to go i'm sure he has brit robson on today uh if brit's timeline last night was any indication brit will be ripping them a new one today on that pod but uh yeah i've i've always done this as i've said before just because it's a i'm on my lunch break right now from working for a cancer institute and and cancer has affected my life and my wife's family significantly it's affected your life so uh that's the whole purpose of why i log in and why i'm on here and i'm sure you are the same as you just just want to entertain you make you think make you laugh maybe make you mad sometimes but uh that comment means a lot so you know appreciate that uh for sure dan craft here you know dan craft might segue us into uh another Another Uh-oh. title segment here. Anthony Edwards' stat porn is a segment we did last year. <laughs> and I think we already kind of went through the stats. You know, the shooting performance was, uh, I don't think that would classify as Anthony Edwards' stat porn. The 14 rebounds would, for sure. Mm. But I'm going to put this write-up that Dan Kraft sends us from CBS Sports. A couple weeks ago, CBS Sports did a top 20 players under the age of 25 list. And they have Anthony Edwards third on this list behind John Morant and Luka Doncic. Luka seems like he's 38 sometimes, but he is still, is he 24? 25? <laughs> he's 24. Like anytime I get mad or I just want to rile myself up, I'm like, oh, I can't believe that. Then I go watch Luka Doncic play. He was so good last night. Like he just, 
his step back three is maybe the most unguardable shot in the league. So uh, anytime he's above Ant for now, yeah, I am just, he looks like a guy that, I mean, he does. He like literally smokes hookah all off season. He just looks like a guy that doesn't really take beer. care of himself. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, hey, here's 36, 12, and nine uh, and, a, and a victory. So it's ridiculous. But this is the write up, CBS Sports write up here for Anthony Edwards. It wasn't especially surprising to hear Bruce Brown call the Timberwolves the hardest opponent Denver faced and wrote uh, to their first championship. He had to spend most of that series guarding Anthony Edwards, who averaged 35 points in the final four games of that series, all decided by single digits. Edwards carried that momentum into a stellar run for Team USA, one of the NBA's great star creation vehicles. Athletically gifted, increasingly reliable from deep, and steadily improving as a playmaker, even committed to playing hard-nosed defense, Edwards was built in a lab to be a flawless NBA shooting guard. With a new max contract to his name, this will be the season Edwards ascends to the upper echelon of NBA stardom. Mm. Oh, yeah. And none of it is not true. Read it to me backwards now. (laughs) None of it is. Let me grab some lotion. None of that is not true. Uh, It's just, you know, as he becomes, I mean, this was a real big summer, obviously the Team USA stuff, but as he becomes more and more on the map, the question will be the the best of the best basically just continue to add to their game and really have very few limitations. Um, but Ant's only 22, right? Like, there there is very little precedent, and Luca's actually a good one as well, that, like, you really don't hit your full, full, full stride until you're in that 25, 26, 27 range where Tatum has started to get to. So he has time to continue to grow, but you're seeing it in moments like last night when he has a career-high rebounds, but you're also seeing the 22-year-old side of him that has more turnovers than assists. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, last night someone, one of my good friends texted me that uh, James Wiseman was a, a DNP CD last night, which did not play coach's decision for the Pistons. That. That's not who drafted him. He was drafted by the Warriors. They dumped him for, I think, four second-round picks and Gary Payton's son. Um, the Wolves made the right decision. This has a, been a big summer and a big week for the 2020 draft class to get Jaden and Ant both signed long-term. I don't know if Leandro Balmero is still in the league, but uh, they have a good foundation. I know fans that are impatient are ready for that foundation to start to build real walls that did not happen against Toronto, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, Anthony Edwards is, I don't know, you wouldn't take you wouldn't take five guys over him if you're building a brand new franchise, right? Like, you're not going to take LeBron over him. Um, so the, the sky's the limit, but he needs to continue to deliver. Yeah. And also, I don't know if you if you had a chance, J.J. Redick, um, a, a few listeners sent us the link to J.J. Redick and oh, yeah. Tim Legler was his guest on Redick's podcast. And they spent like 10 minutes. It's it's the episode. I think it's the most recent episode, but it's the Tim Legler and J.J. Redick episode. It starts at like the 34 minute mark. If you guys want to go and just kind of find this. And they did a breakdown of sort of the Timberwolves and the the two big men and. And I think two main headlines out of that, J.J. Redick had glowing things to say about yeah. Anthony Edwards. He said, this dude, I saw enough in the playoffs. I've watched him. Like, And J.J. Redick is a freaking hoops head man. Like, he's, like he'll get into big-time X's and O's breakdowns he's on this show. Awesome. He loves Anthony Edwards. And he said, the thing that drives me nuts, because, and he likes Chris Finch, but he's, he said, the one thing I'm going to be watching early in the season is, where is Rudy Gobert after he sets a screen? Because if he's going to the dunker spot, I can't stand the dunker spot. So he went on this dunker spot rant saying, unless you're posting up on the other side, okay, bring a guy down to the dunker spot, right? But 
Rudy Gobert standing in the dunker spot only clogs things up for Anthony Edwards. So have him just go have him set screens off the ball. Have him have him free up the shooter that could run to the corner, you know, weak side. So Anthony Edwards can drive in and kick it out. But so I will I will uh, take J.J. Reddick's word and expertise and I will be watching that more and more going forward too. like what where is the Rudy chess piece on offense? Is he just sort of standing there waiting for a lob? Is he clogging things up? But um, check that out if you guys, I, listeners, get a chance to. I think, and Reddick had uh, Chris Finch on earlier this this summer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I kind of were the gateway drug for Finchy to start getting on podcasts. Clearly, yeah. like. like It was so much uh, fun, him coming on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But Reddick's pod is probably maybe the best right now. I mean, Zach Lowe does a really good job, too. But he might be the best national pod out there, and he has really good guests on. Tim Legler is hands down the most underrated analyst covering oh, the league. Dude, legs. They, they kind of bury him on with SVP on like late at night on during the weekdays or whatever. I don't know if it's schedule what he prefers, but he is just a breath of fresh air when it comes to basketball knowledge and breaking. He's old school down. too because he 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 won the did he win? I think he won the three point shootout in like nineteen ninety five or something or ninety six with like the Washington Bullets. If like I he's get, a if I ever get drunk again, maybe off some modest brewing. Uh, I might just DM him and just be like, "Can we get you on the pod?" Because he would be oh, great for sure. He, come on, I just love listening to smart people <laughs> think about this for me. I love listening to smart people talk about basketball, but that was really good. I also, it makes me think of last night as many things that went wrong, right? And so many things did like what now back-to-back games where Ant has found Rudy on a lob. I know that that's a really low bar, but uh, let's go. When, We're getting when he somewhere. got doubled last night. I mean, that's a, the pass that he made in Chicago when he was behind the three point line, just kind of like screw it. Justin Jefferson's down there somewhere lob over his head. Yeah, that was not sustainable last night though he kind of jumped past it and like had to really thread the needle to rudy who had a guy on his back and a guy in front of him but got him the ball i think it ended up being an and one those little plays back to the reddick and legler thing it's like obviously you gotta carl and rudy need to gel or one of them has to eventually go that is just kind of common sense yep but if if ant we know what Ant's chemistry can be like with Carl. If Ant can get that chemistry with Rudy, it might make your decision down the road easier because it's like whoever you pick to help build around Ant, Ant's going to make it work. And he's starting to figure it out a little bit more with Rudy. Um, and that's obviously small, but reassuring and something to be positive about moving forward. And I would say this too. I, so I, uh, I in my life have dealt with uh, a little bit of anxiety when it comes to, so I have, I've had acid reflux And I've had IBS in my life going back to like being 12 years old. So I remember when I was a kid, this started when I was like in elementary school, I would always be wondering, where's my out in this room? If I need to go, (laughs) right? Like, is there a bathroom nearby? Is there a garbage? Like even to this day, it's not like I know how to manage it now for the most part. Like sometimes I'll drink a tequila and eat some hot spicy food and pay for it. But like even when I get on a plane now, I'm always kind of like, okay, so... All right, we're uh, five rows this way are the bathrooms, right? I, I want to know where my out is when I'm in a building or in a room of some kind, right? And so if you're a Timberwolves fan, I think you want to know where's the out if this doesn't work, if my Timberwolves IBS flares up or something. And the the cat and go bear thing is just not working. What's the out? What's the side door? Where's the bathroom down the hallway, right? And they have options, dude. Like they, 
The trade deadline's coming up in February. And even if this thing is clunky, there's enough talent here that they're still going to be like around 500, even if it's kind of a train wreck, I think. And, and they get closer to the trade deadline. Okay, well, it's not working. It's clunky. The chemistry's weird. Then you can start exploring. Do you, do you trade Gobert for 25 cents on the dollar? Carl Anthony Towns, you could explore those options around the trade deadline. So like they've got options. They've got outs is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like doing it, but you can always poop in the woods, and that's my what they have to do. Mm-hmm. I have no idea in the moment. I was like, hey, yeah, Ant found Rudy on another pick-and-roll lob. That's great. And you're just like, hey, I struggle with IBS. That was a weird transition <laughs> and maybe the best moment of this podcast history. Um, but it, it, on a serious note, and again, it might sound to some like coping, which maybe that's what Timberwolves fans usually have to do because our team is never good. Um, it it is a reason why this year I just am not going to like bring a pitchfork to Target Center after the Raptors loss because last year just seemed you you didn't have Ant and Jaden on the maxes yet you they weren't the players they are now even twelve months ago you were fresh off of all the assets you gave up you don't have a Leonard Miller you don't know if Tim Conley's going to stay blah 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 you don't know if the ownership thing's going to happen this year it's like back to your point I think it might be my favorite thing and I'm going to steal it moving forward is they have all these outs. It might, like if the season goes really bad and everyone's really pissed off, they have a pick for the first time in a while, right? It's not the Kaminga thing. It's not last year. Uh, and if it doesn't work and everything else works, like I said at the top, except Carl and Rudy, then you just move one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, then, and, that, and then Leonard Miller maybe is part of your plan at some point. That, Nas Reed gets more minutes you know, going into – like there's, there's levers to pull. If, if Carl and Rudy don't work – this won't the run it back tour won't have a third season like they mm-hmm. just won't it's a fact they're thinking about it day in and day out at Mayo Clinic Square so if you're super anti the Rudy and Carl stuff and you're cheering for them to not work it might not and then it might just lead to I mean whatever really happens on the court is going to allow them to pivot next summer I'm not at the level yet where I'm ready to go poop in the woods but if I have to and it's my only alternative uh, I don't want to be the person on the plane, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to be on that Delta plane that has to turn around. So, Do you remember, uh, just going back to the beginning of the episode, when we were talking about <laughs> the inflexibility of the starting lineup and how it's more important who finishes mm-hmm. than it is who starts, and, and I do agree with that. But it reminded me of 20 years ago when uh, it was like the peak of the – it was the KG, Cassell, and Latrell Sprewell year where they went to the Western Conference Finals. And do you remember who the starting five was? Or is this a little early in your? You know, uh, you were, you no, were a Wolves guy. I, no, I was a Wolves. I was a Wolves pup. Um, I don't remember. So it, was, it was KG Spree, Sam Cassell, Trenton Hassel, uh-huh. and then for the majority of those games, if I'm not mistaken, thinking back 20 years ago, Irvin Johnson, not Magic Johnson, but yeah, like less magical. The other Irvin Johnson who had like you know 16 pound knee pads and braces on each knee. He would he would be the starting five. Mm-hmm. he'd play like four minutes, he would sit, and then sometimes would never come back in the game. Mm-hmm. He would just be out there to set screens for like five or six minutes. And then he'd like start the second half maybe. And so he'd play like 12 minutes. And uh, that was probably my favorite use of like the, it doesn't really matter who starts and who finishes. We're going to run Irvin out there to take a couple fouls and, you know, set a couple screens early on, set the tone. Yeah, and... That kind of happened with when the Thunder had that one really impressive run. Like they would start Kendrick Perkins yeah. alongside Abaka yes. and Durant and Westbrook <laughs> and Harden. And then they would 
Scott Brooks would realize in the moment every time, like, hey, this isn't going to work. We need to close with, like, Abaka at the five or KD at the five. <laughs> and, I mean, this was kind of before small ball became small ball. But so that might be a thing. I'm just – I really want to put a pin in it. I want to talk about it later. But as a cynic or, like, if you want to be glass half empty, it's like, can you do that? Can you trade – can you buy a house for 2x its value and then never live in it <laughs> type thing? So – Again, I, I think if I'm Chris Finch, I'm happy to enter this season with a, just an immense amount of talent and good players and what seems like really good people and easily coachable. But it doesn't necessarily mean Finch's job is easy. And if he doesn't, if he coaches like he did last year instead of the way he coached maybe two years ago, his seat's going to get warm. It's not even remotely close to that point right now, but he is a big cog in this and the buttons he pushes are going to determine if this thing works or not. So summary of this episode, the first in-season episode is we wouldn't fire Chris Finch yet, right? Correct. That's the summary. Okay. Correct. I would not fire Chris Finch. We'll see, we'll see what I happens in the first half against Miami. But. I, I, too, am always on the lookout for uh, possible escapes in bathrooms, and uh, I think the Wolves should shoot better would yeah. be my analysis moving forward. Make more shots. Make more shots. Don't panic yet too aggressively. We do, we do reserve the right to start panicking maybe early next week. We're going to let a couple more games go by before you and I jump back in. We may get uh, we may get like an overreaction Judd thing on a Monday here. I am oh, curious. Good. Like if they get beat by 20 <laughs> against the Heat at home, I'm going to need some overreaction Judd in our lives on Monday. So we might pull that lever too. And yeah, I for going back to like the strategy here at the, at the pirate ship, like I like flagrant howls every now and then mixing in Judd and Declan because we need Judd. He is, he, he's just going to tell it like it is. And he's, the he's an American op- icon. Is yeah. What he and is. listen, man, he's just going to grill people when they need to be grilled. So I'm my runway for this team to land a plane is a lot longer than I think Judd's is. Judd's might be a helipad instead of a <laughs> runway, but uh, yeah, you, 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 you started this season off on the wrong foot. Uh, you've talked about continuity. You've talked about maturity this is a roster now of guys Finch wants, right? I don't think he was best friends with D'Angelo Russell, but he loves Nikhil. He loves Kyle. Um, if Like any good football team, right, you have a bad week, usually those teams come out the next week and they are pissed off and they play well. That's what you got to do now. Like come home, you have a little animosity towards Jimmy Butler anyway in the Miami Heat. They've always matched up well against the Heat recently. But go out there and win by 20 and, and kind of reset the vibe. Uh, and if you don't, then you deserve to get blasted. Yeah. And with that, we uh, we part ways here for, for the next few days. That's Kyle. I'm Phil. This is Flagrant Howls, hopefully your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. You can uh, couple it up by listening to Dane Moore's NBA podcast, which Kyle is a part of on a regular basis, helping uh, both on the mic and behind the scenes. And on Flagrant Howls, if you could help, you could help us grow this thing by doing a few things. Subscribe button and like button on the Scornoth YouTube channel and a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts specifically. So we can uh, we can climb those charts and tell more people about this Timberwolves uh, tortured at times lifestyle. So, <laughs> Kyle, great stuff, dude. Uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see where the stressometer is in a few days when we reconvene here on Flagrant Howls.